You know, sometimes you got to treat yourself to a birthday present. And that's exactly what Bryce Harper did last night. You are locked on MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. You can follow us at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter or on Instagram or whatever they're calling Twitter these days. You can follow me on my personal feed uh, at Sully Baseball, and you can follow us on Instagram at Sully Baseball Podcast. And thanks so much for making us your first listen. For those of you who listen every day, uh, let me know who you are. Put put a hashtag Everyday Sully on there so I know who's out there listening. I know the bunch of you are, and that's a lot of fun. I get you, I see you pop on when I do the occasional live streams, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Look at, I've been complaining about this postseason. Uh, not because I'm an old grumpy man. That, that's just a that's just a coincidence. But because one of my least, I think the least exciting kind of baseball games for me, at least, are the ones where a team runs out to a big lead early, and then the other team never catches up. And by the sixth inning, you're kind of like, yeah, this is this is not going to happen. And I was worried that both of the games last night, or the game yesterday afternoon, the game last night, I was worried that they were both going to be those kind of games. And technically they were. The Rangers got off to a huge lead before the Astros even came up to bat, and the Phillies slammed a couple of home runs in the first inning to give themselves a lead, and they never relinquished those leads. So technically they were those games. But at least these games were exciting. These were two pretty thrilling games, and a lot of there were a lot of uh, you know defensive plays to sort of t- turn the tide, and there was also you know the one manager nearly blew the game because he did something that I beg managers not to do. But um, first, I sort of hinted at the fact that. Um, <laughs> Bryce Harper gave himself a nice birthday present. It was his birthday yesterday in front of a raucous crowd in Philadelphia. You know, Kyle Schwarber led off the game with a home run. And Kyle Schwarber's have the single strangest leadoff hitter year of all time, I think, because he is an undeniably good leadoff hitter, even though he has he has the low batting average and is as slow as, you know, basically a sloth in all the, the categories that people used to look at for the leadoff hitting category, you know, uh, Schwarber does not have. He just gets on base. He, the guy had a sub – he batted under the Mendoza line. He was a 197 hitter. How could you have a leadoff hitter batting 197? Because his, his OPS was 817. You know, his on-base percentage was 343. It's unbelievable. I mean, the guy walked – 126 times and got 115 hits. So 
in terms of times on base, isn't that almost the equivalent of being close to a 200-hit season? Either way, throw in the fact that he had 47 home runs and you he's either going to walk or hit a home run or, or, you know, or, you know, strike out. But either way, he did the, he did the hit the home run thing, which is good to, you know, as a leadoff hitter, one batter in boom, Zach Gallen didn't have it last night. He just didn't. And then Bryce Harper came up and then he hit the snot out of the ball and the Phillies jumped out to a big lead and give, you got to give the Diamondbacks credit. Because their bullpen, Zach Gallen didn't have it today, but the bullpen, led by Kyle Nelson, uh, shut down the attack. You know, they they kept it from getting out of hand and allowed the Diamondbacks to chip away. And, um, uh, you know, what's his name? Perdomo hit a home run. It was five to three, and there's a couple instances where the Diamondbacks had runners on base. And they would just hit the balls right on the screws, but right at somebody, you know, a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right. And the Diamondbacks would have tied the game. But, you know, they they look at the Diamondbacks did not expect to be here. You know, most people didn't think they were going to get it past Milwaukee. I don't think anybody thought they were going to pass Los Angeles. And so here they are. And I hate to play the we're just happy to be here card, but. They should be pretty darn happy to be here. An 84 win team. Of course, you know, the the you know, the Cubs and the Padres are looking going like that could have been us. That could have been us. But you know what? It could also be a little bit of the we've got nothing to lose situation. But Harper, let's just look, let's examine something with Harper. I'm gonna go right over here on my on the laptop here. I'm going to baseballreference.com, the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth. And we're going to take a look at the fact, you know, Bryce Harper has been, you know, played in a bunch of postseasons with the Nationals before coming over to Philadelphia. And he never advanced. He had one great postseason uh, in 2014 where he hit three home runs against the Giants, but the Nats wound up losing that series. He had a huge home run in the 27 playoffs. But, you know, but basically bombed in his first playoff attempt and his final playoff attempt in Washington. Uh, this is his second time in the NLCS with the Philadelphia Phillies. He In six games, he's batting 435, if you like batting average. His on base is 458, so roughly the same. His slugging, you know what his slugging is in six NLCS games? 957. He has a 1.415 uh, OPS in six NLCS games that includes three home runs and seven runs batted in. It's safe to say that Bryce Harper fits in with the National League Championship Series. It's also safe to say that when he signed a contract that's going to keep him in Philadelphia until the heat death of the universe – uh, that he has fit right in. It's unbelievable. This is already he's already played five seasons with the Phillies, which makes sense because the Nats won the World Series five years ago. But I guess maybe this is the COVID uh, factor that time doesn't really mean anything. It's kind of like when they were orbiting the planet in interstellar, and like you know, one minute on the planet means ten years up in the spaceship, and nothing means makes sense anymore. Maybe that analogy didn't make sense, but it did remind me of the movie Interstellar. 
it, it does doesn't matter. This is not locked on Chris Nolan films. But in his five years with Philadelphia, he it looks like look at all due respect to the Arizona Diamondbacks, it looks like the Phillies are about to go to back to back World Series. All right, and he's won an MVP already. Uh, he's come back from surgery to come back and have an all-star caliber season this year. He switched positions. Remember something that the Yankees thought he wouldn't be able to do. Uh, he's led the, he's led the Phillies to back-to-back NLCSs and his three wins away from back-to-back trips to the World Series. It's safe to say that this contract has been working out. Oh, yeah, he's still only 30. You realize that, right? He has at least at least three MVP caliber years left in him, unless he, his body completely falls apart. I think this has been a uh, uh, a contract that's been successful. And if he leads the Phillies to a World Series title, which would only be their third in team history, then he could be dreadful the rest of the way, and it wouldn't matter. I was in Philadelphia last year. I went to a game at Citizens Bank Ballpark. It was rocking. It was absolutely rocking. And you go. it's now become one of the big home field advantages in all of baseball. I don't even recall it being this when they went on their spectacular run at the beginning of the, two, the late 2000s, early 2010s, between 2007 and 2011 when they won five straight division titles and went to the World Series back-to-back years, winning in 2008. I don't recall it being this raucous then, with, during the Cole Hamels, Roy Halladay, Jimmy Rollins, Ryan Howard, Chase Sutley, Ch- uh, Shane Victorino years. But here we are. Here we are. And this is uh, this is a Philadelphia team that, look at, I, I want the Diamondbacks to win today not because I'm anti-Phillies, because I want one of these series to go the distance. And that series that goes this doesn't look like it's going to be taking place at the state of Texas. But I'd like to be able to see that. I'd like to be able to see Harper. Because I want my superstars on the spotlight. That's my great frustration was happened in Anaheim. That we have the, these two generational talents that neither one of them has appeared in the league championship series in their entire career. I want to see my stars shine. I want to see my stars on the big stage. And we're seeing Bryce Harper on the big stage. We're see- He's already had the Bryce Harper game, which was the home run he hit that basically sealed their pennant. But if he could have a bigger game, if we could have a game seven with him on the line, do you want, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, that would be good for baseball. Certainly, is going to be good for the Philadelphia Phillies. And let me just tell you something. Bryce Harper has fit in with Philadelphia like a nice pair of bird dogs. What? Was that a commercial? That's right. Seamless. Seamless, seamless. You, He's fit in. Bryce Harper's fit in to the Philadelphia culture, the Philadelphia fandom with a certain brashness, and it sort of fits perfectly. It lo- he looks good, and he can be there in any sort of situation. He is the bird dogs of superstars, kind of like how bird dogs make you look good. They got the stretch khaki shorts design 
to fit slimmer through the thigh and, and the leg, making you have that truly sculpted Bryce Harper look? And do you know what? Bird dogs do the exact same thing as Lululemons, but do you know what? They fit better. They fit like Bryce Harper fits in Philadelphia. I swear I'm going to make this analogy work. You know what? They fit because they aren't made of a stiff, restricting cotton. You know, bird dogs fix this issue by inner, by they've created a cloud knit fabric that looks like khaki, but stretches. So you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. And bird dog uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Now, can you use these for any occasion? That's a clown question, bro. You can use them on golfs. You can use them on the date. You can use them to after working out. You can use them at work. You can go to a Phillies game wearing them because they look and feel just so good. Go to birddogs.com slash MLB and enter promo code LOCKEDONMLB at checkout for a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. That's bird dog slash locked on MLB for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. I guarantee you. I can't say that Bryce Harper does because I haven't contacted him about it yet. Ah, yes, the bird dog. I'm I'm now encouraging bird dogs to hire um, Bryce Harper to be their spokesman. Uh, The Battle of Texas. Wow, that was a weird game yesterday. That was a very weird game because I, I thought I was excited to see it because the matchup, you had Nathan Ovaldi, who I love, based on the 2018 Red Sox, a team that uh, cheated, a team where there's a lot of shenanigans around that World Series title. Remember that I said that, Astros fan. Every time you say that I hate the Astros, team I rooted for the last two World Series and say, oh, why don't you ever bring up the 2018 Red Sox? I do every time. I digress. And by the way, Astro fans, follow my lead. I enjoy the 2018 World Series title. I rewatch it, but I understand that nobody else acknowledges it. I understand that. Follow my lead. But uh, Framber Valdez, uh, who showed he was a big game pitcher in last year's World Series, was awful. I was, I was stunned. I mean, Nathan Nuvaldi, I know, is a good pitcher, and he's and he's pitched quite well, thank you very much. Um, and in fact, you know how I did who owns baseball during the regular season, where I keep track of who was the best player of each day, and then you sort of saw who the, the, the results kind of will mirror the uh, end results of the – when they can out the MVP in the World Series and the MVP in the Cy Young Awards, um, the highest who owned baseball total last year went to Shohei Otani and there was Garrett Cole, all these people who you would expect to see. Um, right now, I have what's called Who Owns October, where I do the same thing for each day in the playoffs. Who are the two people leading? What hitter is leading October this year? Bryce Harper, the three. And what pitcher is leading October? Nathan Uvalde with a three, you know, Uvalde was great. You know, I mean, he did let up the, the, you know, big home run to Jordan Alvarez, but you know, he pitched, he gave the, uh, he gave uh, the Rangers six solid innings. He struck out nine. He wiggled his way. He had a bases loaded, nobody out situation in the fifth, uh, got a couple of strikeouts to get out of that situation. He did everything he needed to do. Framber Valdez was awful. 
I mean, they they the Rangers jumped all over them. They were down what four runs uh, before they even had an at bat. And not only that, but like Valdez, you know, made a key error in a situation. I mean, he did not look like Framber Valdez. Now, Jordan Alvarez looked like Jordan Alvarez. He hit two home runs. He's hit six home runs this postseason. It's unbel- he's having an unbelievable postseason. The problem is, uh, at least for him, is the Astros dropped the two games. Jonah Heim hit a big home run for the Rangers. Bruce Pochi, please, people, listen to me. Stop bringing in Aroldis Chapman. Don't look at his ERA. Don't. Because it's misleading. He would have blown game one against Baltimore, and he would have blown game one against uh, Houston, if not for a brilliant defensive play behind him. And he came in today, and again, upper deck shot by Jordan Alvarez. I, I do not bring the man into a big situation. It'll take a Brooks Robinson-esque defensive display in order to continue to wiggle your way out of it. I don't understand. I don't understand why people bring him in. He's blown saves for multiple organizations since 2010, his first year in the in the uh, postseason. You can look it up. Blue saves for the Reds, blue saves for the Cubs, blue huge games for the Yankees, and kids come this close to doing it for Texas. Plus, he's a horrible human being. So I don't, I don't know, you know, what we have to do about this. But there you go. But all, but that all uh, being said, Leclerc did his job. Leclerc did his job. Sorry, and Bruce Bochy did his job. You know, there's nothing. There's nothing you could point to that Dusty Baker did as a manager. He handed the ball to Framber Valdez. Sometimes, you know, you got to give the manager a break when he handed the ball to the right person. It's a reason, like, I could never get on Dave Roberts for how the Dodgers did this year. What's he supposed to do? He handed the ball to Clayton Kershaw and penciled in uh, Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts into the lineup. They all wet the bed. You know, this was game two, a critical game for the Houston Astros. Hand the ball to a guy who's their big game pitcher in last year's World Series and someone who showed, you know, he has shown that he is a, you know, he's a valuable pitcher. And, uh, you know, has pitched well. And, you know, you, you this is someone who you expect to come up at least not small. And he wet the bed. So there you go. The, the Rangers are up 2-0. And now they have Max Scherzer pitching game three. Now, this is going to be obviously Max Scherzer coming back from an injury. But in so many ways, this is the ideal way to have Max Scherzer come back. Think about this for a second. He's going to come back with, um, you know, Montgomery pitched into the seventh in game one for Texas. Yavaldi pitched it, he pitched six innings. So the bullpen is not exactly taxed, okay? They, they had two solid starts, and you have a, an off day. So when you hand the ball to Max Scherzer in game three, the worst case scenario, if the wheels, if he's, I hate to say it, if he's Clayton Kershaw-esque, then you have a rested bullpen and a 2-0 lead. And if if Scherzer is 60% of Max Scherzer, the Hall of Famer, and you have a rested and ready bullpen, the Rangers could be up 3 nothing by the end of tomorrow. 
I don't know if that's – I have too much respect for the Astros. I really do. I have too much respect for who they are as a team and what they've been able to show and the, the fact that they've had their backs against the wall a couple times this year and have been resilient. Remember, this is a team that fell out of the postseason for a little bit in the middle of the summer and seemed to be on the verge of falling out of the postseason all throughout September, and they managed to hang on. And Christian Javier pitched very well against Minnesota. Thank you very much. So we're going to see. It's an intriguing matchup that we're going to see on Wednesday evening. But right now, look at the Rangers have done everything they can. They just keep on rolling. And their streak has kept alive. And that is they've only trailed one inning this entire postseason. That almost doesn't seem possible. Would you have bet on that? Would you have bet on the Rangers not trailing us all but one inning in the uh, entire postseason? I don't know. But tell you what, if you are making bets, head over to FanDuel. You know what? This October baseball is so unpredictable. And big stars like Jordan Alvarez and uh, Justin Verlander have come up big. And some other big players have come up. And, of course, Bryce Harper. And, like we've all were expecting, uh, you know, God, what, what did I forget his name? Uh, you know, Trey Turner's come up big. Josh Young's come up big. And uh, Rolvis Garcia's come up big. And the legendary Evan Carter's come up big. But if you're going to put on your bets, head over to FanDuel. Join FanDuel today, and you'll get started with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to create your new account. Then you get in on the action from the first pitch until the final out. Bet on everything from strikeouts, home runs, to who will win the game. And if you don't want to wait for the whole game to get a W, predict what will happen in the next at-bat with quick bets. So head on over to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn right now. Step up to the plate this postseason with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. <clears throat> Sorry for the cough there, everybody. Um, I got to address the Kim Eng situation. Kim Eng, uh, the general manager of the Marlins, took over the team. Uh, and got them to the playoffs in a stacked National League where they weren't the last team in the playoff run. That would be Arizona. They outplayed the Mets. They outplayed the Padres. They outplayed the Cubs. And along the way, she made some key moves. The gutsy move of trading Pablo Lopez for Luis Arise, you know, Arise was a batting champion, but they traded away a solid pitcher. And along the way, they lost Sandy Alcantara, who had a bad first half and got injured the second half. He's going to miss all of next year. There's your Cy Young Award winner. Well, guess what? They've patched work the rotation, so it remains solid for the rest of the year. And she made two of the key trades down the stretch, bringing in Bell and Berger, who those bats got giant hits down the stretch to help secure Miami's position in the postseason, which was their first since the COVID year and their first in a 162-game season 
since winning the World Series in 2003. That's right. For the first time in 20 years, the Marlins made the postseason in a full 162-game schedule. And so naturally, what did the Marlins want to do? The Marlins came up to Kim Ang, who will probably win Executive of the Year. She will probably get the trophy for Executive. Who deserves it better than her? For working what she had doing, making the right trades, pushing the right buttons, which is what you want from a general manager, and helping change the culture of that club. They, the management said that they wanted to have a new um, president of baseball operations to act as her supervisor. This person should win the executive of the year. And the Marlins say, we need someone to look after her. We need someone looking over her. And Kim Ang, who was the last year of her contract, said, no, I kind of think I did my job. She didn't say that, but that's implied. I'm about to win manager, the general manager of the year, executive of the year. And you're saying, well, we need someone to watch over you. Um, I'll go there. It's funny that they asked the lone female GM who did a spectacular job to, can you have someone, can you start reporting to someone else, please? It's funny because any other organization would have promoted her instead of saying, instead of essentially demoted her. They, she had this season when she's going to win, probably going to win executive of the year. And they were about to give her essentially a demotion. You know, I, I have no compunction going there and wondering why this situation? Hmm. What's different about her? All right. If you don't want me to go there, fine. Quite frankly, I don't care because that's a little bit of a coincidence. But either way, why should she have to report to somebody? Was it she didn't follow the Marlins' great tradition of excellence? I'll tell you what, what's being followed. Is the Marlins being a Mickey Mouse organization? is what they are. Oh, why can't we succeed? Why can't we succeed? You're in a huge market filled with people from the Northeast, filled with people from Latin America. In other words, the two demographics that love baseball. And you should be a destination city for major stars. Oh, I get to live in Miami as a millionaire and save a lot of taxes and live a glamorous life. Oh, why can't we succeed? Because you've got a Mickey Mouse organization. Why don't the fans show up? Because they're not stupid. You've had a generation to build Marlin fans there. The excuse that I've brought up several times as well, which is there are a lot of people from the Northeast there who have strong ties to the Mets, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Phillies, and they don't want to let go of them. But do you what would happen if you gave them a great team to root for, the kids who grew up in Miami will be like, hey, I don't have any attachment to the Yankees. I'm going to be a Marlin fan. And yeah, they've won the two World Series and they built nothing upon those championships because they bulldozed the teams practically during the parade. And so this is another example of the Marlins having something, but then letting that person go. We just celebrated Miguel Cabrera's uh, great career, primarily as a Tiger. He became a star with the Marlins, but God forbid they keep him. 
This isn't even about signing a superstar. This is a GM you have in the fold. All you have to do is say, hey, keep up the good work. Look at you've changed the culture of being a Marlin. It says like, yeah, you need to report to somebody. I don't blame her for raising a middle finger. Say, no, F you. And now other teams are probably salivating that the executive of the year is going to be available to just sign. I just scratched my nose that the executive of the year can just be, hey, would you like a job? Gee whiz, I wonder if the Red Sox, who just kind of sort of have a GM opening, should give her a call and say, hey, we'll let you we'll let you do your thing. Put together a team. Put together the team and we'll give you the budget to keep it together. How about that? Oh, and by the way, she has ties to the Yankees. She's won her first few World Series rings as a member of the Yankees front office. And so the whole excuse that I've heard from the seven people who defend Brian Cashman as a general manager, one of them was Michael Kay, and the other I think are all on the payroll or burner accounts for Cashman. The refrain is, well, if you can't have Cashman, then who? Then who? Kim Eng, there's the answer to your question. Next question. Why is Cashman still there? Don't get me wrong. I want Cashman to be the general manager of the New York Yankees until the end of Brian uh, Bryce Harper's contract which is probably the year 3184. But a team is going to sign Kim Eng, and a team is going to have Kim Eng as the GM, and she's going to deliver a pennant and maybe a World Series title of that team, and they will be remembered as part of that team the same way that Miguel Cabrera will be remembered as a Tiger, even though he should have been a Marlin for life. There is no excuse for the Marlins doing this and there's no excuse for the Marlins to continue being this oh, we can't afford anything rinky dink organization I don't buy it they've had decades to put this together and it's just more the same uh, by the way uh, I forgot to mention the trivia question uh, the trivia question because I was gonna I was gonna answer I was gonna pose the trivia question and then I realized I forgot to say who got it right uh, surprise surprise Amy Green a couple of people got it right. Uh, Amy Green uh, got was one of them who got it right. The question was, two Game 7 of the World Series saves the 2010s. One was by uh, Madison Bumgarner in 2014. The other by Mike Montgomery of the Cubs in 2016. What else did these two saves have in common? Now, Amy Green said it was their first career save. That is correct. It goes even more, more than that. It was their first save at any level. Madison Bumgarner never got a save at any level in the minor leagues or in the major leagues until game seven of the World Series. Same thing for Mike Montgomery. No minor league saves, no major league saves, just game seven of the World Series. That's a hell of a time to get your first career save, which is going to bring us to today's to today's trivia question, which is sometimes they give out the postseason MVP to the wrong player. Last year, the World Series MVP went to Jeremy Pena. I thought it should have gone to Framber Valdez, but that was subjective. There was one year they completely whiffed, and that was in 2005 in the ALCS. Paul Canerco won the ALCS MVP, and he did indeed have some huge home runs for the Chicago White Sox as they won the pennant against the Angels. However, one of his teammates out hit him, outslugged him, 
had a higher OPS, homered twice, and got a dramatic walk-off double, and yet did not win the ALCS MVP, and I still don't understand why. Which White Sox of 2005 was oddly denied the ALCS MVP when they gave it to Paul Canerco, who got all those big hits, including a dramatic walk-off double in one of the games? Tell me who it was and put it in the YouTube comments or on Twitter or whatever the hell it's called at Locked On MLB Pods. Uh, follow us there, or you can follow me at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Celebrating the birthday with Bryce Harper and wagging my finger at the Miami Marlins. This has been Locked On MLB for the 17th day of October 2023. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. <laughs>